Good evening. My name is Ben, and I'm part of the church family here. Uh, this evening, we're going to be reading from John 15, verses 5 to 17, and that is on page 1083 in the church Bibles. That is John 15, verses 5 to 17. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, man, I'm losing my lines already. Uh, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be, may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. If you are my father's, sorry, if you are my father's, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you are my friends, if you do what I command, man, I'm butchering this, uh, if I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You do not choose me because I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Uh, isn't it just brilliant to be together? Um, and, and also, isn't it brilliant uh, to be good news people in a bad news world? I don't know about anybody else at the moment, but my, my news feed is full of the worst news that any other time during my lifetime. And yet we as Christians are good news people in a bad news world. And this evening, I've got a message for us to share about how we enjoy friendship as God has designed it for us. But before we dive into God's word this evening, I wonder if I might infuse you with something I'm really passionate about and invite you to do something really, really important. And that is I want to invite, if you're not already a personal member of the Evangelical Alliance, I want to invite you to become one. Let me tell you what that, what that is and, and why it matters and, and how, you can, how you can join us. Well, first of all, you might ask, what's an evangelical? Well, an evangelical is a good news person in a bad news world. Evangelical comes from the Greek word evangel, which means good news. What else? Well, we evangelicals, we're people of the Bible. We don't change the words of God to accommodate our culture. We want to see our culture transformed with the word of God. Secondly, we're people of Jesus. We believe that his life and his death and his resurrection was the most important moment in the whole of human history. That he's our God, but he can also be our friend. Thirdly, we're people of conversion. You don't become a Christian by accident. And the most important decision any of us can ever make is to choose to follow Jesus or not. And fourthly, we are people of activism. 
We want to see the world become more like the kingdom. That's why it was evangelicals who are at the forefront of the abolition of the slave trade. More recently, that's looked like Christians Against Poverty, food banks, street pastors, whatever we can do to see hope come to the hopeless in our world. And who we are, as you've just seen in the video, we're an alliance of evangelicals. Why? Because Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that the church might be one. And so we as the EA unite the church around the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And we're a membership organization. So we are tens of thousands of individuals, thousands of churches, hundreds of organizations. And we have existed since 1846 to do two really simple things. First of all, we want to see every single person in the UK come to know the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And secondly, we speak up at the highest levels of government on issues that really matter to evangelicals. Why? Because if we don't, who will? And also because the church is doing an amazing job in society. So someone needs to tell that story. But also we speak up at the highest levels of government on issues that really matter to Christians, like free speech. Why? Because it shouldn't be a hate crime to declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. One example of that, there was a bill going through Parliament a few years ago that would have enabled Ofsted to come into every Sunday school and youth group in the country and essentially vet what was being said. We thought that sounded more like North Korea or Saudi Arabia, governmental control, governmental control of private religion. So we spoke up on behalf of all of us. And I'm delighted to say that as a result, that bill has been kicked into touch for the time being. Isn't that good news? But here's where we need your help. Because the strength of our voice depends on the size of our membership. When the government asks us how many members do you have, we need to give a number. And at the moment, we're around about 22,000 individuals. The dream over the next 10 years is to get to 50,000. Why 50,000? Because 50,000 is about the size of the Liberal Democrats. Now, we are not affiliated to any political party. We're affiliated to Jesus. But if you are bigger than the third largest political party in the UK, when a new prime minister comes in, they have to talk to you rather than you knock on, knock on their door. So if you're able to join us this evening, it would really make a difference. What I'd love to do is at the end, I've got a little table outside of the auditorium. I'd love to give you a form like this. It's got a tear-off slip in between. If you're able to fill in that form, it will make a real difference. It costs just £3 a month to join the Evangelical Alliance. If you're part of a couple, you can tick the, tick the box that says couple, and we get to speak on behalf of both of you. It's still £3 a month. If your spouse isn't here this evening, tick the box anyway and tell them later. We would love you to join us. Just as a thank you, if you're able to join us this evening, I would love to give you a few things just to say thank you for free. The first is, um, I'm about to speak about friendship. Friendship has made the world of difference to me in the last few years. Why? Because I had a terrible pandemic. A couple of family members died. I was incredibly discouraged and disappointed through that time. Two things got me through. Faith in Jesus and friendship. So I began to research the power of friendship, the pressure on our friendship, and how we find in Jesus the most wonderful example of friendship. I've written a book about it. would love to give you that as a little gift to say thank you for joining the EA tonight. Second thing we'd love to give you is a copy of this. It's called Speak Up. We developed it in conjunction with the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. It tells your rights and responsibilities when sharing your faith at work and in the community. Loads of people say, you can't share your faith at work. You can. You just can't, you can't abuse a position of authority over an employee. Loads of people say you can't wear a cross at work. You can. You just can't wear a life-size one because it's a health and safety hazard. Would love to share a copy of that with you. The third thing I'd love to give you, if you join the EA tonight, and for some of you, this might swing the deal. I'd love to give you an Evangelical Alliance key ring. I know, I know. It's got on the end of it one of those detachable pound coins, which means the next time you're in a supermarket, in a cashless society, when you need a pound coin for your trolley, you will thank Jesus the day you joined the Evangelical Alliance. So I'd love to share that with you. 
Genuinely, it really makes a difference. Do you know, God's doing amazing things in the EA at the moment. There's a real hope in our, there's a real need for hope in our world, isn't there? Lots of people are needing Jesus. So we equip and inspire the church to do that. But also, do you know, we have more people join us last year than any other year for the last 25. We're really excited about what, the God, what God is doing across the nation. If you joined us, that would be, really, it would be a real blessing and would help us reach more people and speak up with a louder voice. Why don't we pray that God would speak to us this evening as we talk about enjoying friendship. Just invite you in your hearts to pray a really simple prayer. And say, Father, would you please speak to me by the power of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So my job is, I, uh, I work for the EA, and um, I, uh, I'm a missiologist, which means I study how people come to faith. And um, I, uh, I try and help the church make the most of those pathways. Um, but um, I live in Birmingham. Everybody say Birmingham. Thank you very much. feel a little bit more at home already here on the South Coast. And, uh, but my, our offices as the EA are in London. And so what I often do is I travel down on a Tuesday morning, stay overnight on a Tuesday night, and I'm quite cheap. So what I do is, is I, I kind of stay with a friend rather than pay for a hotel. And I've got a load of friends who live in London who I kind of rotate so I don't outstay my welcome anywhere. And um, I was staying at a, f- a friend's house a few uh, months ago. And it was one of those friendships, I don't know if you have these, where you know, that, where you know one of the people in the marriage better than the other. And so I was, at fr- I, was, I was at university with my friend, but I'd only met his wife a couple of times. And I'm in that really awkward um, no-man's land that you sometimes have with friendships, where you're somewhere between a handshake and a hug. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're in that kind of no-man's land. You're, you're beyond the handshake stage, but you're not quite in hug territory. Well, I decided as I was staying at my friend's house, it was time to take my friendship with my friend's wife to the next level. And so I'm sat in the living room watching the TV with his kids. He's in the kitchen making dinner, and she comes down the stairs. And I decide to leave her in no uncertain terms um, that it's time for hug territory. And as she comes towards me, I have my arms out wide. I, I embrace her. And in that moment, I say, thank you so much for letting me stay at your house. But it's fair to say that my enthusiasm for the hug was far greater than hers. It was a little bit like hugging a lamppost. And then there's this moment where I kind of step back and with horror I look at her and the blood drains from my face. And I'm cringing just thinking about it because I realise that the woman I've just hugged isn't the wife of my friend. It's the friend of the wife of my friend who was overnight for a play date. And it was just this horrendously awkward moment. Just because we have proximity doesn't mean we have intimacy. Just because we have a thousand connections on Facebook doesn't mean we have any friends who we can call when the storms hit the shores of our life. Just because we're in the house of the Lord doesn't mean we have a relationship and a friendship with him. And one of the things that I've discovered over the last few years is that we are facing a loneliness epidemic. Do you know one in three men say they have no close friends? It's not much better for women. 40% of young adults, by the way, the most connected generation in history, say they always or often feel lonely. How have we reached a stage in our world where we have a minister in government whose responsibility is loneliness? And yet I believe that, like in most things, the Bible... And the person of Jesus have an answer to the loneliness epidemic we face.
And in this beautiful passage that we've just read, where Jesus so articulately talks about the fact that we are created for connection. We are made for connection with him. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the source of all life. All you can do outside of Jesus is just exist. In fact, Jesus goes further to say, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Connection with Jesus really is a matter of life and death both in this life and the next. But also we see in this passage that we weren't, just for, we weren't just created for a relationship with God. We were created for a relationship with one another. Do you know in the creation account in Genesis, eight times God speaks over his creation and says it's good or very good. The first thing that is declared to be not good, it is not good for man to be alone. We were created for connection both with God and with others. And that's why Jesus in verse 12 says, My command is this love each other as I have loved you. And we need friends. We've got music and movies on demand, got the world in the palm of our hand. We've got fun trips, internships, play scripts, and hair snips, film clips, fish and chips at the touch of our thumbtips. Need to lead or breed or feed your cat? Well, it turns out there's an app for that. But we need Friends, we've got computers for a fiver, cars without a driver. We've got louder, further, faster, more, a bigger network than ever before. But we need friends. And friends are amazing. See, friendship is atomic. From the nursing home to the coffee shop, from the boardroom to the playground. It's relational connections that make the world go round. See, we were created to know and be known. It's better to eat kebabs with friends than salad on your own. And yet we trace in populous places. We're strangers in rooms of familiar faces. We crave deeper meaningfuls, but experience anonymity. We dance superficially around the promise of proximity. And we need friends. And quantity is no substitute for quality. We need 5G, HD, 24-carat friends. Lifelong, fight-strong, tag-along, forgive-all-wrong friends. Friends to talk through our problems personal. Friends to call when the cancer's terminal. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, your year, you just remember what your old pal said. We get by with a little help from our friends. And look to the one who made friendship possible, whose nail-pierced hands bridged a chasm uncrossable. His scandalous invitation follows the most glorious of amends. There is no greater love than they that lay their life down for their friends. So, celebrate with me the ship most worth sailing and follow the example of the friend unfailing. May we raise our game and drop our cover, invest our energies in one another. May we still be there when the rain starts to fall and accept the most important friend request of all because we need friends. And what we find in this beautiful passage in Scripture is that Jesus gives us three values for friendship. In a lonely and fractured world, Jesus gives, some, gives us some values to hold on to, to commit ourselves to. Three values I'd love to share with you this evening. And the first is this, that great friendship is sacrificial. 
Jesus says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this verse flies in the face of the individualism and consumerism that we find in our world today. Just about the most powerful cultural story that we see in the West in 2023 is that which is known as expressive individualism. You might not know it by that name, but I bet you know its mantras. Its mantras go something along, along the li- these lines. That meaning and truth are found in being your authentic self. You do you. Follow your heart. Be true to your desires and your own heart. The story of our culture tells us to discover, create, or choose our identity inside us and express that in the world. David Foster Wallace comments, everything in my own immediate experience supports my belief that I am the absolute center of my universe, the realest, most vivid person in existence. And yet Jesus says that true friendship is they that lay their own lives down for their friends. And this series is about enjoying friendship. What joy is there in sacrifice? Well, the Bible paints a picture that actually there really is joy in sacrifice. The writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 talks about Jesus going to the cross. He urges us to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In the, in the economy of God, there is joy in sacrifice. And I wonder whether one of the reasons that we've lost the heart and the art of friendship, of preferring one another, is at the core of one of the challenges that we face in terms of individualism. And for some of us, that might mean dropping everything to be there for people in need. For some of us, that might mean avoiding the need to be right all the time. For some of us, that might mean spending time with people who are different from us. The person who I've seen this sacrificial friendship worked out most recently is my mum. One of the reasons I'm passionate about friendship, as as I've articulated, is I had a terrible pandemic. And one of the reasons for that is that we found out right at the beginning of uh, March 2020 that my mum's cancer that she'd been facing for about six months was terminal. So I spent the first few months of lockdown going to sit at the end of my mum's driveway with my then two-year-old, watching her physically deteriorate. But this was a woman who was a young girl, had chosen to follow Jesus. She'd laid her life down to follow Jesus for herself. And it was like in the years that she'd been following Jesus, she'd been investing in a spiritual bank account. And in those dying months, it was like she was able to withdraw from it. Because each day as I saw her physically deteriorate, I saw her spiritually grow stronger. And then she did something I recommend we all do if we know we're going to see Jesus soon. And that is one afternoon she took her iPad and she recorded a message to be played at her funeral. She always wanted the last word, did my mum. And then when she sadly died on the 8th of June and went to glory, we weren't able to have a physical funeral, so we did it on Zoom. We had about 400 screens. It was an incredible moment in many ways. 
And my mum beautifully talked about the Jesus who she'd committed her life to as a young girl and explained that that decision to follow him had given her forgiveness for her past, God's presence in her present agony, and hope and assurance of real life now and life in heaven forever when her earthly body gave way. And because she wasn't around to stop me, I had the last word. And because I'm a bit of an evangelist, I gave the opportunity for those who'd heard my mum's message to respond and choose to follow Jesus for themselves. That the gospel meant that they could know that assurance. They could know what it was to be friends with God. They could know forgiveness for their past, God with them today and hope for the future. And as soon as we clicked leave at the end of that Zoom meeting, I turned my phone back on and I had a text message from one of my mum's friends who she'd prayed for for many years. And it said this, Phil, I prayed that prayer with you. I believe Jesus died for me. Isn't that amazing? Do you know why that happened? Because a woman in her dying moments chose not to think of herself as she perhaps had every right to do. But she thought of us. Because great friendship is sacrificial. And there is no greater love than they that lay their life down for their friends. And in that statement, Jesus is about to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world to make that salvation and that hope possible. So the first thing about great friendship, how we enjoy friendship, is we place sacrifice at the heart of it. Can we flick forward two slides, please? The next thing about great friendship is that it's intentional. Jesus says in verse 16, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Now, this is not what normally happened with rabbis and disciples. Normally, disciples would choose a rabbi. Normally, disciples would go to their rabbi and, 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 and they'd, they'd find a person, they were a rabbi that they wanted to be like, and they, in, in modern parlance, they would apprentice themselves to that rabbi. And they'd spend time with them learning to be like them and immersing themselves in their teaching. But Jesus kind of flips the norm in this situation and demonstrates something of, his intentionality of relationship. Jesus is intentional. He chooses 12 disciples to spend the majority of his time with. This has led some to comment that Jesus' greatest miracle wasn't the feeding of the 5,000, but having 12 close friends in his 30s. And then with those friends, what he finds, what we find as we read the, the biographies of Jesus is that he's more intentional with some than others. There are moments in the Gospels where Jesus says to nine of his disciples, Boys, you wait there, and Peter, James, and John, you come with me. It seems a little bit awkward when we read that, because it seems that Jesus had a few favourites. Do you know what I feel really sorry for? Andrew. Do you know why? Because James and John were brothers. They got to go with Jesus. And you've got Peter, who's Andrew's brother, and he gets to go with Jesus. Do you know who introduced Peter to Jesus? Andrew! And yet Jesus chooses to be intentional with particularly with the three. The uh, slide behind me um, uh, shows Jesus' circles of friends, if you like. What's been fascinating as I've researched the book, one of the things I've done is I've read into the science of friendship and the leading anthropologists in the world, most of them not Christians, reckon you, can, you, we have got relational capacity for about 150 friends. You don't, by the way, if you've not got 150 friends, don't feel bad. That's our kind of upper limit of people who we can have friendship with. Then what they've done is they've said, how many good friends can you have? Do you know the answer is about 12? 
Then they've asked, how many great friends can you have? And the answer is three. And as I'm reading this leading science from people who aren't Christians, I'm like, that sounds really familiar. It's like the Son of God had help. But what we find in this dynamic is that it's some wisdom of how we enjoy friendship. Because as I've researched friendship and as I've talked to people, I find a lot of people who've had lots of acquaintances, but very few real friends. And I wonder whether one of the challenges that we face is that we've believed the lie that we can be friends with everybody. We can be friends with a lot of people, 150. But we are, we are finite, limited human beings with only a certain amount of relational energy. And Jesus' example is not just how to be a good friend in laying down our lives for our friends, but, but being intentional with who we spend our time with. And I, I want to urge you to, to have lots of friends, but at the same time have a few people who you disproportionately invest energy in to be really good friends with a few. But the second thing we realize in terms of Jesus' intentionality of friendship is a couple of times in the passage, there are a couple of kind of jaw-drop moments, which we read and kind of gloss over through our 2023 lens, but at the time would have been utterly shocking. And that is, Jesus says twice in this passage, I have called you friends. And that's fascinating because that's not the primary lens through which the disciples saw Jesus. Because he was primarily their rabbi. They were the disciples. It was a kind of teacher and pupil-like relationship. In fact, there's no other record in the first century of any other rabbi calling their disciples friends. And so for Jesus to say, I have called you friends, at that moment, the disciples would have been like, what? Say that again, Jesus, you've called us what? I have called you friends. And I don't want us to miss this today as a church. The theologian A.W. Tozer said that what comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And it's no surprise, is it, that when it comes to relating to the all-consuming, all-creating God of the universe, the Bible gives us lots of lenses through which to see our relationship to him. That he is our father, our judge, our saviour, our creator, our sustainer, our example, our provider, our teacher. But don't miss this. God is also your friend. Now, we need to be really careful that he doesn't become the Lord Almighty more than the Lord Almighty. But yet God is also our friend. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, your friends this evening, the best news in the universe is that you can. And at the end of this talk, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If, if you've never accepted the friendship of God, then you can follow him. You can know him as your friend. But do you know, if you do know God as your friend this evening, my message to you is that that friendship is your life. It is the most important relationship. Do you know, too many of my friends are getting obsessed with their patio or their house extension or their golf swing or their candy crush addiction or their social media obsession. Our relationship with God is our life. That's why Jesus in this passage says, I am the vine and you're the branches. Remain in me and you'll bear much fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Remain in my love. 
without Jesus, you will spiritually die. But with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Remain in his love. That friendship is your life. Great friendship is sacrificial. Secondly, it's intentional. And finally, if we can have the next slide up, please, is that great friendship is invitational. As God extends his invitation of friendship to us, he also invites us and partners with us in seeing that invitation extended to a world that so desperately needs it. In a world searching for life and hope, we get to partner with God in seeing our friends come to know Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a missiologist. I study how people come to faith. My job at the EA is helping the whole church understand the missional pathways by which people are becoming Christians. And you know, the way most people come to faith in the UK isn't through a pastor, an evangelist, or a professional Christian. It's through a friend, a neighbor, a colleague, or a family member. For our friends in the world, we are probably the most significant person in their life in terms of helping them come to know Jesus. And I don't know whether you're noticing with your friends, but for me, I'm noticing a real deep spiritual hunger at the moment. I think one of the reasons for that is that we're living in extraordinary times, aren't we? The Collins Dictionary word of the year for 2022 was permacrisis, an extended period of instability and insecurity, especially one resulting from a series of catastrophic events. We've lurched from a global pandemic to a cost of living crisis, threat of World War III, political turmoil, economic meltdown. One of the most amazing things is that we know hope and we know life. And my experience over the last few months has been that my friends, who I've been praying for for many years to come to faith, some of those conversations have come to the surface a lot more easily. And in those moments of crisis, we as people of hope, we, have pe- we as people of the, who are the non-anxious presences in our, in our friends' lives, we're the people they turn to. Let me give you an example of this. I've got a friend called John. And John texted me earlier this year. John's, I've known John since, I was at school, since we've been at school. And, and um, out of the blue, he texted me in um, April this year. And uh, this is how... Um, uh, non-Christians uh, will often ask for prayer. Well, certainly, this is how my non-Christian mates ask for prayer. Um, if we can have the next slide up, please. Um, John writes, got any time over weekend? Need a word with the top dog big man if you can help, pal. I think, he, I, thought, I read that and I thought, I think he's asking for prayer. So, uh, so we go uh, to a Weatherspoons for breakfast on a Saturday morning uh, near me in Birmingham. It was full of lots of people at 9.30 in the morning uh, drinking beer. It was an absolutely glorious morning. By the way, other pubs are available. Uh, the EA does not endorse Weatherspoons or any other pub, classic, classic, etc. Um, so we have, we have breakfast together. And what he does in this conversation is he shares with me. And he says, uh, he says I really uh, wanted to reach out to you because uh, my brother uh, called me this week. And he says he's got a suspected brain tumour. He's got three kids and one on the way. And he says, well, I'll look after them when he dies. He says, can you help? I said, no. But I do know someone who can. So I said, should we pray? And he goes, what now? I said, yeah. So in the middle of Weatherspoons on a Saturday morning, we pray for his brother. I'll read you what happens next. On Monday the 24th of April, I text him and say, any news on Si? I've been praying. He says, not yet, thanks, pal, we'll keep you posted as soon as we know anything. On the 25th of April, he texts, no brain tumour. 
Thanks for your work, pal. By the way, he's still not a Christian. What's God got to do, eh? I also reminded him that it wasn't my work, but Jesus. When we're friends with those around us, in search of hope, in search of life, we are those who they look to. My encouragement to you this evening is to be an invitational friend to those around you who don't yet know Jesus. If you've not got a list of a few people that you're praying for regularly to come to faith, I want to urge you to have one. Why? Because this stuff really matters. Friendship with Jesus really is a matter of life and death. If our friends are going to encounter Jesus, it's most likely through us. And by being a great friend, by being good news and by sharing good news and inviting them to join the family, we get to play a part in them coming to faith. And do you know what's really enjoyable when we talk about enjoying friendship? Do you know there's many friends like John and other friends I've got who haven't yet chosen to follow Jesus. But yeah, there have been moments with a few of my friends over the years where they've said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to become a Christian. There's many joys in friendship, but there's few greater than seeing your friends choose life. So therefore, I want to encourage you to be people who keep praying. You know, some friends, I've, like John, I've known for 30 years, but I'll keep praying. I keep trying to share Jesus with him. Let's be those friends. So this evening, may you know that you were created for friendship. May you know the friendship of God in your life. May we embody something of the sacrificial. May we be intentional with those around us. And may we be invitational to a world that needs hope while we know that hope has a name and his name's Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Just invite you in your heart to reflect on the words of God this evening. Just reflect on where God has been speaking to you. And the first thing I'd love to do is I just wonder whether for, 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 if there's anyone here tonight who doesn't know God as a friend. Or maybe you've walked away and you want to choose to follow Jesus again this evening. If that's you, I just want to invite you to, to pray a really simple prayer like my mum prayed as a young girl. Pray a simple prayer that, like the one that my mum's friend prayed at her funeral. Knowing that the answer to that prayer is acceptance with God. But that his invitation is to turn away from your old way of living. Turn away from your sin. To know forgiveness from your past. God with you today and hope for your future. If that's you in your heart, I just invite you to this evening. Say, dear God, I'm sorry for where I've got it wrong. Thank you that you love me, God. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you died and you rose again to forgive my sin. That I might know you today as a friend. And even though I haven't got it all together, I want to choose to follow you. And have a go. 
about being your disciple. Jesus' name, amen. I wonder whether for some of us uh, this evening, there might be something that God has spoken to us about friendship. My encouragement is as we worship now, there's a moment where we respond. And over the next few hours and days, we reflect on our friendships. Think about where God is calling us to be intentional with those around us. Think about where God is calling us to be invitational. And I do want to urge you, if you, there's a few people who God's put on your heart as I've talked about John. So write a list of people to pray for regularly to come to faith. Think about how might, you might be the best friends to them. Let me quickly pray for you as a church, then I'll invite the band to come back up. Father, thank you so much for this amazing, brilliant and beautiful church. Thank you for Above Bar. Thank you for the light they are in this city. And I pray your blessing on them this evening. Father, I pray that within this church, they might know great friendship with one another. But Father, I pray too that they will be great friends to those around them, to a world that so desperately needs you, to their neighbours, the, the colleagues, the long-standing relationships. And Father, I pray that through them, many might come to know you. And may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.